It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. Now the scratch. Here it comes. Swing and there's a drive deep into right field. Way back there. Goodbye. A run for the game and for the pennant. The Giants have won the pennant. And Travis Ishikawa is being clobbered by his teammates as he comes down the third base line. And he is mobbed at home plate. There may be some names ahead of him in Giants lore, but there aren't many ahead of him in Giant moments. This one still sends chills down the spines of Giants fans. But it was more than just sending the Giants to the World Series. It was the culmination of an incredible journey for a player who refused to give up. We go inside Travis Ishikawa's Giant Moments. Now, now, now. This is Inside Giant Moments. Presented by T-Mobile, our franchise has countless memorable, iconic moments. Join Mark Willard as he connects with our former players who lived these moments to relive the emotions, the stories, and the joy. Travis Ishikawa joins the Inside Giant Moments podcast, and this is one where the listeners will right away be like, I I know where we're heading, I know where the big moment is, but... But, Travis, uh, first and foremost, uh, great to have you. Thank you so much for doing it. Thank you guys so much for having me on. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I when I look at your story, and you correct me if I'm wrong, uh, the word that just jumped to, to my mind was belief. You, you were constantly playing hard to get the belief of teams, execs, maybe even uh, other players as well. But what stands out the most is, is how much that belief in yourself really kind of kept you going through all of the years of going back and forth to the minors. Is that accurate, and where did you find your resolve? Yeah, I would say that's pretty accurate. Um, I've never really thought about summing up into one word. I think you just hit the the nail on the head with belief because that that basically summed up my journey was um, after leaving the Giants the first time was, was trying to prove that I belonged. Um, and, and trying to, to convince those that made those decisions that I belonged. And, um, you know, it always felt like it was close, but it, nothing ever really gelled together. Um, but uh, at the same time, too, you look back, and, and I made a lot of great memories with a lot of great teammates and on, on different teams and good fan bases. But, I mean, let's, let's be honest. There, there's no fan base better than San Francisco. Uh, agreed. Absolutely. And especially at the time, uh, you know, with, with, with what you guys were doing, uh, it's the team that drafted you. Let's start with that 21st round pick, but Oregon state is sitting there as a possibility. What went into your decision to go pro at that time? Um, it was pretty simple. Um, I think I fell quite a bit in the draft. I'm not going to sit here and say I should have been a first rounder because I don't think that's true, but um, I was definitely projected to be a little bit higher um, in the top five. And I think a lot of scouts and a lot of teams got scared because I did well in school and I had a pretty good um, scholarship offer to Oregon State. Uh, so I think, you know, back then, um, before I'm 
with all the draft rules, um, there weren't a whole lot back then, but you know, you still didn't want to lose your first few picks uh, to college. So I think a lot of teams were scared that I was adamant of going to college um, as opposed to, um, you know, obviously potentially working out a, a, a reason to, to sign to go pro. Um, so I, I believe that's why I fell so, so far. Um, so when I saw that I got drafted in the 21st round, um, you know, my uncle was in town visiting. He told me the Giants had called and left a voicemail. I thought he was messing with me um, until I actually listened to the voicemail and, you know, found out I had to go online to find out I'd been drafted. It just being drafted is an honor in itself. But at that mo- you know, at that point, you're thinking, all right, 21st round out of high school, like I'm, I'm going to go to, I'm going to go to college. And, and, um, and the Giants were, you know, they were, um, you know, through my agent, they were, they were honest and open. And, you know, they said that we got to see what, what, you know, we got some signs we got to do ahead of you and, and we'll try and come see you play over the summer. And, and, you know, like, don't, let's just stay in touch. And, um, and so they, so they did. And, and, you know, I didn't hear a lot from them, but I went into my last summer before college, you know, playing summer ball with my friends and um, we had a tournament in Reno and, um, and uh, up, you know, from, from Washington. And uh, my agent goes, you know, somebody from the giants is, is going to, is going to come down and watch you play. And so me not knowing how pro ball works, you know, I'm sitting there every game, every inning looking for someone in giants gear, you know, a jacket, a t-shirt, a hoodie, whatever. <laughs> of course, nothing. Right. I mean, now as I've learned as a professional, like we're not trying to showcase that we work for the, you know, the giants or whatnot, but I'm sitting there. I didn't know I'm looking for anybody. And, and I end up having a great series. I think I end up, we took second place. I still got the, the tournament MVP. I hit like seven homers in five games Had a three homer game. I mean, I just, I, I had one of the best weekends of my life. Just disappointed that, you know, the giants didn't come to see it. And, and uh, so the tournament ends and, and, and I get a call at seven o'clock the next morning in the hotel room for my agent, you know, and trying to, I'm running to the bathroom because I'm, I'm rooming with three other guys, you know, on my high school team. And, and, you know, he wakes me up and he goes, Hey, I don't know if you know this, but, there was somebody from the Giants there. They liked what they saw, and, and they want to sign you, and I think you should do it. And so they, I was like, all right, sounds good. And uh, yeah. <laughs> went over, found my found my coach, that, uh, found my coach, knocked on his door, woke him up, and was like, I can't play with you guys anymore. I'm going to go play for the Giants now. And so he took me out <laughs> for breakfast that morning. <laughs> That's amazing. I, I wonder if you would have played that well if you thought the Giants were in the stands because you would have been nervous. That's probably true. So it's probably better off that uh, I had no idea that somebody was there. Uh, no doubt. All right. And then four years later, after four years of, of minor league baseball, 2006, shortly after that season starts, you get the call up. What was that day like? Oh, so, um, you know, the minor leagues, you're there's, there's a lot of rules uh, entailed in minor leagues. And when you're a minor leaguer, the, the thought of never getting up to the big leagues, um, you know, doing something that can cause you from getting called up to the big leagues is, is very scary. And so I was in double A Connecticut. We were on the road in Trenton and I don't know how in the world this happened. I don't think I've ever seen it since then, but we had Easter off the day off uh, was on Easter, which on a Sunday, which I've never seen before. So um, my my mom's side, uh, she's got some cousins that live in the Philadelphia area, and so um, we made a we made a um, we you know we set it up to where they were going to come pick me up. We were in Trent, New Jersey, so they were going to drive 
pick me up and take me to their home in Philadelphia. And, and, you know, we're going to have Easter dinner and, and I'm going to hang out with the family and stuff like that. We're having a great time. And I get a phone call from a 415 number and I'm like, Oh, like 415 numbers don't call minor leaguers. Like what's going on here? So I answered and it's, um, you know, at the time it was, uh, it was Bobby Evans who was, um, gosh, I'm not sure exactly what his role was, but I know he was still kind of in the minor league side. Right. And, um, and he goes, uh, where are you at right now? And I'm freaking out. I'm like, oh, no. Like, he knows I'm not at the hotel. I'm not, you know, I'm not in the area. Like, this is, I'm in trouble, right? We're not supposed to venture that far out on off days. And I'm like, uh, I'm having Easter dinner with some family. I'm just right outside of Philadelphia. I'm 20 minutes away. I'll be back. I'll be back at the hotel in 20 minutes if you need me to be. I got, you know, please don't, don't let me not ever get called up again. And he goes, no, I, I, just, uh, I just need to know where to fly you out of. You're going to Arizona tomorrow. And I'm like. Arizona he goes yeah the big leagues are the big league clubs in Arizona and um, um, Lance Necro's grandfather just passed away so he's going on bravely for three days they need somebody you're flying out tomorrow morning and I I, and of course when I got I apologize let me backtrack when I got the call from the 415 number of course uh, I'm with the family and and, um, I'm like 415 why why is San Francisco calling like oh my gosh and they're like what's going on I'm like I don't know do they know I'm, I'm not you know where I'm supposed to be so I run outside and so when Bobby tells me I'm getting called up my, my knees kind of just buckle on me and I'm like I'm sitting in the grass in their front yard I'm like okay um yeah well I'm, I'll be in Trenton you know back in Trenton tonight so I guess I'll fly out of Trenton and, and we'll, we'll go from there and he goes okay sounds good and so I hang up and so I walk back into the into the house and they're all like concerned looks on their face like are you in trouble what's going on like do you need to get back? And I go, well, if you guys wouldn't mind taking me back, I got a pack. Uh, I'm going to the big leagues tomorrow. And they're all, they started freaking out and cheering oh. and hollering. And so it was a really cool moment. Um, obviously the, uh, my dad was able to fly down from Seattle. My, my wife, who we were dating at the time, she was able to take off from work in San Jose and she was able to meet my dad down there and, and, you know, get to, get to do that whole experience. So it was, it was really oh. cool. Yeah, I mean, not only to have the experience, but to have it happen while you're sitting there with your family. I can't imagine anything better than that. Yeah, it was, and on Easter of all, you know, holiday, right. you know, big, so it was, it was really cool, really cool uh, call up. Uh, so, uh, so you head on up and, uh, and do some nice things right away. You're sent back down a couple days later, but right back up the next month. And then your first start on May 26, three hits, a couple of them are doubles, get the pie in the face celebration from the guys uh, at this point, I got to think you're feeling pretty encouraged. Are you feeling like you, you, you belong? Um, I didn't feel like that. Um, I think they were pretty clear when, when, um, cause I got called up that second time. Uh, I think Lance went on the DL with a groin injury, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so they were pretty clear right when I got there that as soon as he came off the DL that I'd be going back down. Um, obviously, when you when you have that success, you know you you try to play those 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 games, you know, play GM and go and try to justify why you belong up there. And, um, you know, obviously at the time it doesn't make sense to me. Now that I look back at it from a you know now that I'm coaching with the Giants, you kind of you see. Uh, and you understand why um, I needed to go back to Double A because um, I wasn't going to play if, even if I did stay up there. You know, in at bats at that young age, are vital um, for the development and the growth. So, as a as a coach and uh, now done playing baseball, I I agree with it. But at the time, yeah, obviously there was uh, 
you know, you're, you're joyful and, and thankful for the moments and the opportunities you have. But at the same time, too, you're like, why am I going back to double A right now? Because <laughs> I was hitting 500 in the big leagues. Like, let's just ride this out, even if it only lasts another day. See what happens. <laughs> uh, I mean, to your point, you were spot on because as it as it ends up, you know, it takes you a couple more years to really break through and, and officially hang in the bigs for an extended period of time. But let, let's go to 2008. August 17th, Turner Field, you're back up, first big league home run. Take me through that game. Um, gosh, man, you're, you're turning the yearbook back some pages. Um, <laughs> so uh, let's see. Well, I had to start. Yeah, we, I think I had just gotten called up um, a few days before that, met the team in Houston, and then I think we, I believe we flew to, to Atlanta right after that, and it was a day game, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and I believe it was my first at bat. I think Rowan had let off the inning with a double. And so early in the game, uh, Charlie Morton's pitched. I know he's, he's a big sinker ball guy. I'm just looking for a pitch I can pull to try to get Row over to third base with one out. And then, you know, the guy behind me can drive him in. Um, so I'm looking for that. And I couldn't even tell you what the count was, but I got a pitch that I felt like I could pull. And I just, I don't remember a lot of it. <laughs> um, but I just remember trying to get the, the barrel out and trying to get out in front of it so I could pull it. And I just thankfully didn't put too much top hand into it and, and just hit the right part of the ball. And, um, you know, I think it barely got out. I honestly, to be honest with you, I don't even really remember it too much other than, uh, um, you know, the, getting the ball back at the end of the game, you know, having to, right. you know, sign some baseballs and take some pictures with the fan that, that caught it. But yeah, that one, that's a memory that uh, I haven't thought about in a while. I, I imagine moments like that, especially when you're, you're spending a lot of time in the minors and, and you're trying to push your way through. I mean, you, you probably go numb, uh, you know, pro- somewhat physically and mentally a little bit. Yeah, definitely. Because I do vaguely remember running the bases going, this is a moment you'll always remember. And here I am, what, 12 years later, and I don't really remember it. Not so, remembering. Uh, you know, what, what, what's crazy is I go into my next at-bat, so now I'm feeling really good, right? I'm one for one with a homer on the day already, so now you're playing with house money. And, uh, you know, Charlie's still pitching. And, and you know, of course, now I'm starting to dig myself a little bit more, maybe swinging a little harder than I need to be. And, uh he throws me this nasty sinker and I foul it off the plate and it bounces up and hits me right in the eye, you know? And I'm like, Oh, that's, that's a solid second at bat, you know, right after your first big league homer, foul a ball off your face. So Gresh, you know, head trainer Gresh, she comes out, Boach comes out and uh, you know, I'm still a young rookie. I, I really, I don't even know if I'd said more than hello to Boach from spring training, you know, and then, you know, hi, it's good to see you again, getting called up again. And, and he comes out and having to check on me and, uh, and he, I just, you know, Boach's sense of humor is so dry. He just, he looks at me, he goes, uh, all right, Ish, why don't we uh, try to put this next one in play? And uh, <laughs> I'm like, yeah, that approach obviously wasn't working, you know, and he just turns around and walks away. And I'm just like, man, all right, I guess I better put this ball in play. And so I'll never, I, I, I remember that moment more than I actually remember the home run. Go figure. Uh. Yeah, he could tell you were trying to you were trying to make it too. That's uh, uh, that's yeah. funny. I, yeah, I mean, you know, and you played well the rest of the year, and it really did kind of set up what was coming next with your your time as a big leaguer. But I wonder how you felt at the end of '08. Are, are you are you confident in what's coming next? And and you already mentioned that the organization had been pretty upfront with you 
over those previous couple of years. What are they telling you at that point with regard to the future? Um, after the 08 season, there wasn't really much communication as far as what was expected. Um, I mean, obviously, I knew going into the offseason what was expected. Um, you know, going into the spring training 2009, I'd be competing for a big league job, and, and I'm out of options at that point. So it's really make the big league club or, you know, get 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 um, thrown into waivers, get designated. So, um, you know, I think that was my mindset all, all winter and in, in preparing for spring training. So um, as far as, you know, my preparation, I don't think anything else really changed than the normal. I think it's by, you know, five, five six years into my pro professional career, I kind of had a good idea of, of how I wanted to prepare myself for the next year. Uh, and in that next year, you're producing. You really hit well from, from May to July, but the team at the deadline acquires Ryan Garko, and that's going to take some of your time at first base. That was evident right away. How how were you feeling at that time? How did you process that that move? Um, I mean, at, at, by that point in the year, because I believe I was platooning with Rich Aurelia most of the year already um, at first base. Um, I don't remember having a ton of starts that year against lefties. If I think really, I can only remember one. Um, so by the time I don't remember why we traded for Garco, if Rich got hurt or, or what, but um, when he came over, I mean, it was pretty much the exact same for me. I knew I was going to get the starts against the righties and, and get ready for a pinch hit. If, if a lefty, you know, started the game. So um, I, I was, I was um, like I said, I, I, I think I, I figured out my niche that season pretty early, and so I was okay, and I was able to adapt um, and, and be able to figure out how, what I needed to do to be as successful as I could be um, in that role. I think the niche is a good way to describe what starts to, to happen at this point in 09, and then, of course, we get to 2010. Aubrey Huff is in at the first base position, but, but you have a very defined role, and and you're also a consistent part of a of a really good club. So I got to imagine for what you had uh, you know what you had gone through in the previous years, the stability of 2010. How did that feel to you? So 2010 was actually um, it started off extremely rough for me. Um, huh. You know, obviously when you're when you're coming out of spring training, you're playing a lot, especially me. You know, I was getting uh, quite a bit of playing time. Um, with, you know, splitting kind of basically splitting time with Aubrey and, and Aubrey obviously being the, the veteran, not needing as many at bats. So I was getting quite a few at bats in, in spring. So um, I didn't really know what to expect going into the start of the season. Obviously both of us were left-handed, so there wasn't going to be really a platoon there. Um, I didn't know if, you know, again, I, I just, I had no idea of, of what to expect going into the season. I mean, obviously I knew Aubrey was going to start, and play most games. Um, and so I remember was it the second or third game of the year, I got my first at bat of the pinch hit and I actually hit a homer pinch hit homer to start the year. Um, and then after that, I, uh, again, not really knowing what my role was in the niche. I didn't know what my niche was. Um, so my mindset, because I had never been a guy that never played, I mean, coming up in in the minor leagues, I was an everyday guy. Um, you know, even if you look at the 09 season, 326 at-bats is not 
you know, anything to, to shy away from. I mean, it was, it's not an everyday guy, but it's still quite a bit of it bad. Yep. So going into 2010, having never not, or not ever not playing before was new to me and, and unheard of at the time. And so as Aubrey was playing day after day after day, and, and it just so happened that that first month of April, every Thursday was an off day. And so I'm like, well, this guy's never going to need a day off. He's getting his one day off a week. I mean, he's playing every single day. And so my mindset was, all right, well, when I get my pinch hit, if maybe if I hit a homer here or a double, maybe I'll get to play tomorrow. I mean, that was my mindset. It was the, you know, the perform, you know, the, the, um, and so, um, of course, when you put that kind of pressure on yourself, it never goes really well. And right. so before you know it, I'm, you know, 0 for 1, 0 for 2, 0 for 3. I get one start in April. I'm like, okay, well, maybe if I get like four hits today, I'll get to play tomorrow. And of course, I get strike out my first at bat. I'm like, okay, well, three hits today, I'll get to still play tomorrow. <laughs> and of course, I'm an 0 for 4 day. And I mean, I end up going like 0 for my next like 14 after that home run. And which for me, 0 for 14 took about five, six weeks. And right. so I'm sitting there a month and a half into the season with 14, you know, one for 15 on the year. And finally, that's when it kind of dawned on me, like, Aubrey's starting off really strong. He's going to be a guy for us, which he ended up being a guy for us. But I was like, okay, I don't think it matters if I hit a home run or if I strike out. I'm not playing tomorrow. And so now it kind of alleviated the pressure that I put on myself. And so now my focus just became, okay, when I get my pinch hit, my goal today is just to hit this ball hard. And so that was my mindset going in. Um, And and so – I think, you know, even if I was to roll over and, and ground out to second base, if I felt like I hit it good, I was okay with that. I could go to bed at night feeling better about, you know, feeling good about myself going into the next day going, all right, let's go. Let's instead of, you know, what do I got to do to play? What do I got to do? And, and always having to worry. And, and, um, at, um, and again, learning how to be a pinch hitter on the fly, because now I'm not getting those everyday reps. So fastballs are coming in a little quicker than, than they should be. And, and I'm not quite ready for them. So, I actually developed my um, kind of my in-game pre-pinch pre hit routine, um, you, you know, off machines and, and whatnot, that I actually continued to do the, the rest of my career all the way into my last year playing when I was, when I was still playing, coming off the bench. So, um, and then at that point, I think was when you were, when you're taking notice that I, I started going off. And I think at one point I was 500 as a pinch hitter. I mean, I was real, I was getting hit after hit after hit and I became, I became the fifth or sixth inning, two outs, nobody on pinch hitter to, okay, Boach, you know, Boach wants me in, you know, tie, you know, tie and run on second in the eighth or, you know, to lead off the ninth with the closer up or, you know, just in, in a lot more situations. He, he showed that he had that trust in me as, as a pinch hitter. Well, and obviously the team in the second half of the year is starting to move towards something very special. And I wonder if you had a sense of that, as well you had a lot of playoff experience down in the minors is is there is there a look for a a playoff team or something that you can feel and and were you sensing it with that club uh definitely we were sensing it with the club i think um you know we just had so many personalities on that team that it just kept everything loose in the clubhouse it kept everything fun and you know, we're getting into August in, the, in that playoff race and they're, you know, chasing San Diego and, and you know, they had that little hiccups and, and, you know, opened up that window for us. And I think it was just like my pinch hitting mentality. Like, we just need to play, go out there and play loose. If we lose today, so what? Let's go out and get them tomorrow. And, and, um, and I, I just, I, and I, you know, obviously I think we had, um, is that when we acquired Freddie, I believe, or was that the year before? 
uh, Freddie Sanchez and, and, you know, we got yeah. Javi the year before and, um, right. you know, obviously we brought in some really, you know, some key pieces. And I, I just, I just think we just had the group of guys that, that just had a lot of fun and um, same thing, guys that, that had success in the minor leagues and were on a lot of those playoff teams. Um, now, if you ask individually, if that helps, um, I remember the 2010 playoffs being as nervous as I've ever been in baseball. So uh, I don't know how much minor league playoffs will help you in the big league playoffs, but, um, but winning baseball in the minor leagues definitely, I think, you know, sets that tone for when you guys get up to the big leagues, and especially when you play, you know, come as a group, you know, you got guys like Baum and, and, and Posey and Romo and Pablo and all those guys coming up together, um, I think definitely plays a, a huge role. That's interesting that you, you talk about your emotions going into those playoffs. And, and, and you had said, like, you, you know, you're going to maybe have some late-inning pinch hits. You're going to be a late-inning defensive replacement, maybe a spot start here and there throughout the postseason. So what was it that was driving that nervousness that you were feeling? Um, <laughs> I don't – well, I, I'll, to, to be honest, the beginning was um, – I didn't play, you know, I was, I was the pinch hitter. So yeah. I really had nothing to do until, you know, hopefully, well, hopefully I didn't get to play at all. Cause that man, our guy was going nine innings, you know, complete games and we're getting the victory, but um, you know, anywhere from the, the, you know, fourth inning on or whatnot, um, you know, thankfully that pitching staff that year was a lot of fun to watch. And there was, there weren't yeah. too many times I was needed before the seventh, eighth, ninth inning, which was really cool. Um, but I, I ended up having – I basically was a fan for the first half of the baseball game. I mean, there's nothing you can do when you're not playing except cheer on and, and, and as a fan. And, you know, anybody that's a parent that's watched their kids play athletics, it's nerve-wracking when you don't get – when you can't be out there and you're sitting there as a fan and having to watch and you want the best for, you know, for your team or for your kids. And so I was, I was already a nervous wreck anyway from the first pitch on because I had nothing to do except to watch the game and to cheer on my guys. And, um, you know, again, I think having developed that routine throughout the season as far as what I did to prepare for pinch hits, I think kind of got me back into routine and, norm, you know, some kind of normalcy. But, but those first few innings, I mean, it was it – was, I, I can't even describe the – I mean, I was pacing in dugouts, you know, laying – fist pumping after every strike that, you know, Timmy or Matty or bums, you know, any of those guys threw, I was like, like every strike mattered, every, every hit mattered. And so, um, you know, it was, I was a nervous wreck for most of that game. Um, <laughs> I, I, you know, I didn't have a Fitbit on, but I got to believe I got my 10,000 steps in, in each and every single one of those games <laughs> just for the amount of pacing I did. So. Yeah, yeah. Well, look, when when your number got called, especially in the World Series, I mean, uh, your very first World Series at bat comes in game one in the eighth inning. Now, you guys are up by a few runs at that point, so it's not like it was a tie game in the eighth inning, but uh, it, it wasn't over either. In your first World Series at bat, boom, RBI double. So what was that scene like, and, and what did that do for your nerves going forward? Um, that was That definitely helped. Um, I believe we were still up a couple runs in the eighth. And again, with our pitching staff, if you had any, really, if you had any kind of lead, you know, after eight, it was, it was um, more than likely we were going to come out victorious. So um, there was, there, honestly, there wasn't a lot of nerves or anything. From what I can remember, there wasn't much nerves or anything in that at bad. Cause um, you know, like you said, the game, 
not that it was over, but, you know, it wasn't on the line. I was a little bit more relaxed. Um, I think I was able to work a 3-1 count. I think it was a 3-1 fastball I hit uh, the other way. So, um, obviously, I loved that year. I loved hitting fastballs. Um, I thrived on, on trying to put the barrel on the first fastball I liked in the strike zone, and I think that was the first one I saw. And um, and so just put a nice, easy swing on it. And, um, you know, I, even, I didn't even hit it great, but, you know, I, I think it was Mark Lowe throwing so hard. Um, you know, just when you square up, you know, someone throwing that hard, it's going to go. So uh, he supplied the, the power off the bat for me. Um, but it was – I remember – getting to second base with the RBI and, and just taking that moment and looking around and seeing the orange towels and just the, the volume of the noise in that stadium. It was, it was a cool, I mean, it, I, it got, it gave me goosebumps, you know, and I just got to soak that in for just a couple moments before we had to get back into the game. So, but yeah, that was, that was a, a really cool moment. And, um, and obviously winning that game, first game definitely helped the nerves and, 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 uh, you know, the rest of the way, you know, going against a very tough Texas team. Yeah, I, I was there that night, and I remember how high the energy was the whole time. And, and speaking of which, and you're talking about your nerves, I wonder how you felt in game four, which you started in Texas. It's the Bumgarner game, such an emotionally charged night. And you guys know the, the series is tied back up. If you lose, Bumgarner's a pop. He's only 21 years old. So what do you remember about that night, and, and how did you control those emotions? Um, yeah, I definitely remember um, being a little bit more nervous that one than my pinch hit in the game one. Um, you know, obviously being on the road, Texas was loud the night before. They just taken game three from us. And, um, you know, it's anytime you got a young rookie on the mound, you know, you never know what to expect. Obviously, you look back you know, all these years later and you go, okay, well, that makes sense now uh, when you saw what he did, but, um, but, the, you know, just the, you know, sorry, quick story about bum. Yeah. He, when he got his first postseason start in Atlanta in the NLDS uh, in game, what was it? Game four, I believe. Yeah. Uh, when we clinched it, he pitched, I think he pitched a, you know, a really good game. He had six innings, like two runs. And uh, you know, I was obviously, I wasn't starting that game. So I was in the dugout and he comes out. And so I go over and slap him on the back, tell him, great job. And he, he looks so upset. And I'm like, you're 21 years old, 20 years old. You just went six innings, two runs in your first postseason game. We've got the lead. We're about to clinch and go get ready to play Philly. What are you upset about? And he goes, man, I should have hit that guy. He was so upset that Derek Lode struck him out twice, more so than his pitching <laughs> performance. And I'm sitting there looking at him going, and again, I don't know him that well yet. I mean, we've just been playing together for a couple months, but I didn't realize, you know, at the time, I didn't know he was the hitter that he was going to be, but I was like, bum, come on. Like, you're a pitcher, like, postseason, game, winning right now, and you're upset about your strikeout? So, you know, I just, I love sharing that story because that just gives you, you know, kind of <laughs> slight insight of a bum and, and just how great he is and, that's probably why he pitches so well, because he doesn't put the pressure on himself. He's probably focused on his at-bats. Then he and just goes right. back and throws and hits his spot and, you know, is concerned more about what he's going to – what what pitch he's going to swing at. So, um, but anyways, going back to the Texas game, yeah, I was I was a little bit more nervous. Um, and um, the only – again, not a lot. I know I didn't do anything in that game offensively. Um, defensively made all the plays I was supposed to, but – 
The only thing I do remember that game was, and again, I can't remember the end. It was fourth inning, maybe third or fourth inning. And um, I believe Michael Young was up runner on first and um, he hits a ground ball and we're trying to turn a double play and I stretch out and my cleat slips from underneath me and I end up strain like a grade one hamstring strain uh, on my left, on my right hamstring, sorry, my right hamstring. And so as soon as I stretched okay. out and I, my cleat slipped, I was like, Oh no, this is not good. Like, and I, and I was like, oh, kind of got up and was trying to walk it off. And I'm like, ooh, this, this doesn't feel right. You know, like this, this is a little bit worse than like I overstretched. And, of course, very next pitch, Josh Hamilton hits a ground ball to Freddie Sanchez playing, you know, on the sh- like kind of that modified shift. And so we're trying to turn another double play. And, of course, it's a bang-bang play again. So I stretch out even – I try to stretch out again because, again, it's the World Series. You don't care about your body in the World Series. And I stretch out again, and, of course, he beats it. And I'm like, okay, now I definitely did some damage. And uh, we get through the inning, and I go talk to Gresh. And I'm like, Gresh, I think I pulled my hamstring. And so he's testing it out. And he's like, yeah, it's 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 pretty banged up. What do you want to do? I'm like, well, I'm not asking to come out of this game. I go, unless I become detrimental to the team, I'm not coming out of this game. And he goes, all right. And so I ended up playing those last, like, five, six innings with, like, a, a grade one hamstring uh, um pulled hamstring and um and so that's one of the few things i remember was i wasn't able to play you know i wasn't as uh i wasn't as um versatile defensively i had to play a little closer to the bag i wasn't running very fast um i think i was able to pop up and then walk so i didn't have to sprint to first base my next my last two at bats um but i did have to run run the bases which made it a little difficult but um Obviously, Bum pitching the way he did is what allowed me to finish that game. So um, that, that's one of the few things I remember from from Game Four. Man, man, that's uh, there's a lot that went into that night. And then, of course, what is it about 24, 25 hours later, uh, you you guys are World Series champs in only your first full year from beginning to end. Uh, you know, on on the major league squad. So uh, you know, baseball's easy, right? <laughs> At that moment, yeah, I was like, wow, this is – we're going to win the World Series every year, aren't we? <laughs> right. No, I definitely wasn't feeling that. You almost that. did. Um, yeah, just, you know, it was what, – what an incredible moment. I mean, again, it's it's the things that you dream of as kids is, you know, winning the World Series. And, and so to be able to accomplish that at such a young age, you know, with, with a great group of guys, it was, it was a lot of fun. And, um, you know, again, I think – I think the month of October of 2010 took a few years off my life, you know, with the stress of, of having to watch a lot of that baseball. Um, it was worth every minute of it, of course. Okay, quick pause to thank our sponsor, T-Mobile. It's never been more important to stay connected. And T-Mobile has taken steps to support customers along with frontline workers nationwide during these uncertain times. They've been amazing. T-Mobile responded to customer needs by increasing network capacity, lifting smartphone data caps, and increasing data allowances for schools and students in the Empower Ed program. They've also committed to donate $2.5 million to over 100 local schools and Boys and Girls Club of America, which provides childcare for our nation's first responders and healthcare workers, meals for families in need, and more. T-Mobile is committed to supporting customers, communities, and thanking frontline workers across the nation. Visit T-Mobile.com for more information. And now back to Inside Giant Moments. You guys were feeling torture as much as the fans were. Probably not nearly as much. 
but yes. Um, okay. <laughs> I, I, again, when when you're when you're when you're having to watch it and you don't really get to be a part of it, it definitely feels like torture. And uh, you know, again, I'm watching Willie all those years, or you know, all season long, going into the game, and somehow that tie and runs always seems to be in scoring position. Um, and, and there's nothing you can do except just watch and hope and cheer. And, and, you know, just time and time again, watching him work his way out of it, it was just, you know, it was obviously it was, it was always a, a testament to his, his persona and, and his demeanor. But um, yeah, as, as a fan, I can understand how torturous that was. I think when you're in the moment as a player, you're not really thinking about it too bad. So um, I, I think definitely playing was a lot easier than, than having to watch it. Uh, it turns out that that was the the last game you were going to play for the Giants for a while. Brandon Belt was on his way the following year. Uh, I imagine that that's something you kept your eye on. Like what what did you think was going to happen the following year after that? Honestly, I I didn't really follow our minors too much. Um, I had heard about Brandon. I knew he was up and coming. Again, when you're young and you know you've spent the last two in a half-ish, two and a third month or years and with the club, um, you always, you kind of, you don't, you take for granted, you know, like, oh, I'm always going to be a part of this until I'm old and retired and, um, you know, the the Giants are going to be my only team that I ever play for and and I'm going to have a long career. Even if it's just a pinch hitter, like, I'm going to be a Giant my whole life. I mean, that's, I think that's everybody's mindset when they, when they first get, you know, with a new club, you know, get called up and, um, you know, I knew I had heard, you know, I knew that he had had some really good minor league seasons, but going into spring training 11, there was no, there wasn't a thought in my mind that he was going to make the club. I mean, I was fully anticipating, you know, with Aubrey back, I was fully anticipating having the exact same role I had in 2010. And that was, you know, being the left-handed pinch hitter off the bench for Boach and, you know, maybe be a defensive replacement and, and, and just, you know, spot start when, when Aubrey would need a, a day off and, Again, it just it never occurred to me. I mean, I even made a joke. We were we had a night game in Goodyear against the Indians, and he was at first, and I was up, and I got the hit and run. Well, he didn't take off, and I hit a bullet right at the shortstop. Well, if the shortstop would have been covering like he's supposed to, then it's an easy hit, you know, probably a first and third. And, and so I come back in the dugout making a joke like, oh, man, Brandon's trying to take my job. He's not running on the hit and run, you know, whatever, and just kind of messing around. Well, it wasn't as funny when, you know, come the day before opening day after that last exhibition game with Oakland and, and Boach, you know, got the dreaded, you know, Boach wants to see you. And I was like, oh, crap, like, that's not good. Cause, but, uh, well, Runzler, Dan Runzler just come out of, of Boach's office, and he just said he made the club. So maybe they're coming in to tell me mm-hmm. I made the club. No, because I made the club last year, and he didn't call me in the office and tell me he made the club. I'm like, this isn't good. <laughs> so that's obviously when, when I got the news. And, and I'll be totally transparent. I, I bawled for 20 minutes. I mean, I cried yeah. for a while. Um, you know, I had to go hide in back of Merce, you know, the, the equipment room or back of Merce office because I didn't want anybody to see. But, I mean, I was, I was devastated. I was heartbroken. Obviously, like I said, I was anticipating starting, you know, tomorrow against – they are starting with the with the team down in LA and, and and being with them all year and having another World Series run and and so just kind of getting caught off guard. I think all the emotions kind of caught up and and I just I couldn't hold back and so it was a it was a tough one. I kind of hung back there as long as I could because they were all leaving. They had to get on the you know the flight to LA. So I I waited till they all left before I started packing up my stuff. Mm. I mean, it's the side we don't see or, or sometimes even think about because what you're talking about is actually 
a very famous moment and famous video in Giants history with Boach telling Brandon that he did make the club, and, and and he breaks down in tears right there in Boach's office, and Boach gets him a beer and all this. I mean, this is something that's been celebrated for years amongst Giants fans, and we don't really think about what that meant for someone like you. Right, yeah. But, again, I mean, he he earned it, and I – you know, I know that he had his bumps, ups and downs that year, but you know, obviously, I, I mean, he he's had a great career, and, and he definitely belonged up there. You know, so I it, it took me. There was definitely some some uh, resentment I held, you know, from for him, or how do, how do you say it? I, I held against him. Um, and obviously, it wasn't his fault. You know, he's doing what he's supposed to be doing, and and um, you know, it wasn't his decision to get called, you know, to make the club, but you know, it definitely, it hurt. And, uh, you know, I was, I was reactionary. And again, like I said, I was, I was emotional and, um, you know, and I, I hate to admit it, but I rooted for him to, to fail. And cause I wanted to get back up. Well, this was again, obviously after my seven days on the waivers, I cleared and went to Fresno. So now it was a matter of, okay, well, what do I need to do to, to get back to the big leagues? Obviously one play well, but, I'm going to need Brandon not to do well. And, uh, and so right. I, you know, I, I feel terrible for, for thinking this way. Cause I don't think this way anymore. And, you know, I love Brandon. Obviously we played together for a couple of years and, and, but yeah, there was that, that dark moment in time where I was like, I was, I would be okay. I was happy when, when he would go over it. Cause I was like, okay, that means I'm a step closer to getting called up hopefully, you know? So, yeah. Yeah. See, I mean, this is the uh, the f- the freedom of conversation once you've retired, right? Because the, <laughs> I mean, these these are the things that an active ball player would never say. But but those of us watching this, I mean, if you are a human being and you live and you have professional goals and whatnot, I mean, what you were feeling at that time was completely, I, was totally normal. I don't know how you would have felt any different, right? Right. Exactly. You know, it's just, it just stinks because that's where I, I went. Um, but, you know, thankfully I was able to uh, work past that. And, um, you know, obviously I rebrand it on every chance I get now. So, um, yeah. you know, but yeah, definitely not, not one of my brightest moments in my career for sure. <laughs> right. Well, and you do not only spend the year with the Grizzlies, but, but you suffer an injury, you become a free agent and you sign with the Brewers in December, and I, I wonder what emotions you were feeling about leaving the team that drafted you. Yeah, definitely it was, um, you know, again, I, I didn't think any, when I when I left after the 11th season, there was, it, it never even crossed my mind the possibility of coming back. I thought that once, you know, a team didn't want you, they, they, they never wanted you again. So um, it was, as sad as it was, because again, I love the Giants, and and you know, obviously we had our ups and downs, but but overall, I mean, we, you know, the, and I, I will say this till the day I die: the Giants are like a second family to me. Um, you know, just with everything that I've been through, and and obviously when it's the only team you know and the only thing you know, it's it, it's got a piece of your heart. And so I was I was sad to leave, thinking I was never going to come back. Um, but at the same time, too, I was excited to for that new venture in my life. Um, I didn't know what it was going to be. I know, you know, I had a few different minor league offers, um, but sitting down and, and talking with my agent, we thought that, you know, Milwaukee was the best chance for me to get back to the big leagues and, and uh, you know, signing the deal there. And obviously excited to, to be in Arizona and get to play against the Giants a couple times in spring training. And then obviously if I was to have made the club and to play with them 
uh, play against them in the, in the, in the big league regular season too. So, um, but yeah, it was just, it was, uh, it was exciting. It was scary. Obviously when you, uh, leave what you're comfortable with and you go down a road that you're not sure, you can't really see the end in sight and what, what's going to happen. It's, it's a little nerve wracking, but, um, but it was, it was, a, it was a great time. And, and, uh, I really enjoyed my one year with Milwaukee. My family enjoyed it. The, the little, you know, summer that they were there and, um, under, you know, kind of a sneaky, cool little town for, for families. You know, the, we were a big zoo family that had a zoo there. It was really cool. And, and just found a lot of stuff for the kids to do. And, and uh, again, I mean, I, I got to play with a lot of great guys, and I, I really enjoyed my time in, with that team. Uh, the next couple of years, there's uh, there's time with the Brewers, there's time with the Orioles. The the story has it that uh, in 2013, in the Orioles organization, you almost hung them up. Uh, how, how close did you get to making that decision? Um, it wasn't 13. That was 14 um, when that happened. Okay. Um, 13 was just, um, kind of the, wow, like I'm, you know, I had a really, I had a pretty good year with Milwaukee in 12. Um, obviously the average wasn't great. I only had 150 at bats. Um, and most of those were coming off pinch hitting, but, um, if you prorate my numbers to, a uh, an everyday player, I had over a hundred RBIs and, and, um, you know, had my average actually against lefties was the best it had ever been. And, um, so I, I thought that, that there was a chance I was going to come back to Milwaukee. And, and then obviously when they let me know that they were designating me and they weren't going to bring me back, I was a little distraught and confused by that. But then I was like, okay, well, I've been through this process again, you know, probably going to have a minor league deal and try to find, you know, uh, have to fight to get to the big leagues. And so again, having that conversation with my agent, we felt like Baltimore was, was the one to, to, to compete at. And, um, you know, there was, um, I think there was some miscommunication between us, you know, me and, and, um, and the Orioles organization, as far as, uh, competing for a starting job that didn't quite happen. Um, but I went to triple a and, and, um, did well, got called up and got to spend all of, I think eight days, seven, 10 days <laughs> with Baltimore before they designated me. Um, and in yeah. that time we just got back from a road trip. And so we got back to Baltimore. So I, flew, uh, we'd flown my family out from California um so at the time it was my wife and then my three kids and uh so we flew, they flew to baltimore uh we were there for about two or three days when i got designated so then we all flew back the next day and then i went through the whole waiver process again and the yankees claimed me after nine or ten days um got a call on sunday morning took a red eye sunday night got in monday excuse me um and then played that night um family flew in Tuesday morning. They took a red eye Monday night, flew in, got in Tuesday morning, Thursday morning, get to New York, get called in the office to say I was designated again. So after two days, my family, we got back on a plane and flew across country again. So now my wife's flown across country four times in 10 days with, and twice by herself with three kids. And, um, and so we get back and I'm going through the waiver process again. Nobody picks me up and I end up signing the minor league deal with, with Chicago uh, the White Sox, and so I'm going to Charlotte, Triple A Charlotte, and my wife is like, "Nope, I am not flying across country. If you get called up to Chicago, we'll see you there." And uh, <laughs> I didn't see him again the rest of the, the rest of the year because I uh, stayed in Charlotte the whole the whole rest of the season. So it was um, one of those years where you're just like, "Man, get designated in eleven, and you know, in hopes of you know, assuming you're going to make a club, and then you know, fighting 12 to make a team, get to spend all year in the big leagues, which was great. Had a lot of fun on that team, but, you know, shockingly get 
let go after the season's over and then okay let's let's redo it again and then to be on three teams in a matter of you know two weeks and and just it was just a up and down you know I think I played on one two three well four four different teams that year you know over the the span of uh of the season and and so just you know never having a, a set place to to be all year long and, and not knowing what was next and you know being designated twice and it was just it was crazy so um needless to say when i got became a minor league free agent at the end of that year going into 14 i'm like uh, what are we in for this season you know what what's going to happen now so so is that when you have the discussion or the thought process of maybe let's not do this no okay so yeah so that came that came in the middle of 14 um so yeah so after the 13 season you know again discussion with the agent where's going to be the best possible chance at making the club decided on you know with all the you know we got a couple offers and pittsburgh seemed to be the most logical so you know signed uh signed the minor league deal there um was able to make the team out of camp um you know was able to get two hits off samarja on opening day which was really cool and um, you know, again, hoping to, again, knowing, uh, with Gabby Sanchez there, I was going to be the platoon guy, you know, left to righty matchups, uh, but was going to hopefully in my mind was going to spend the all year there and, 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 you know, get every bat against right-handed starters and, and compete. And I mean, they just went to the, you know, to the, uh, the division series the year before, you know, won that wild, that wild card game with Cueto. And so the team was, you know, had, had a taste for playoff blood and, and excited and, Again, great group of guys. I really enjoyed my time there. And after about three weeks, I'm 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 not playing as much. I think uh, G- well, Gabby was playing, and I, we ran into a string of lefties. And Gabby was playing, so I'm sitting there. And in the second inning, um, the Pirates announced on the big screen that they traded for Ike Davis from the Mets. And I'm thinking, okay, well, left-handed hitting first baseman. I'm a left-handed Oof. hitting first baseman. <laughs> I don't see a scenario where I'm still a Pirate tomorrow. So. Um, obviously that night I got designated, they apologized that it came out that way, but, um, you know, got designated, took my out. And then, um, again, now I'm like, okay, well, we're in the end of April and, you know, teams are just minor league teams are just now getting underway. Like who's going to need help. And I was just kind of looking around and I was, I happened to look at the giant, uh, Fresno and I'm like, they got an outfielder playing first base. I was like, huh? And so I called my agent. And I go, you know, would, would the Giants be a possibility of going back to? And he goes, I was just looking at that. And I, I agree. I think so. Let's let's make a phone call. And um, so my agent, you know, reached out to Bobby. And, and I think within a day of me getting released or a day or two, I, I signed the minor league deal with, with Fresno. And, um, you know, so obviously there there was a few new faces on the Fresno team. But then there was a couple that, that I had played with um, that were there. And, um, you know, so it was, it was like a cool little reunion uh, back there. And. Um, I remember starting off really hot. I was, I think I was hitting about 420 after like two weeks. And so I was just like, okay, like things are going well. Obviously the PCL is a little bit easier to hit in than the international league. And, um, but, um, you know, just kind of trying to play it out and wait my time. And, and, um, I ended up getting hurt. I was, (laughs) I don't I don't know why. If you've ever seen me run, you would think I'm an idiot, but I tried bunting for a hit because there was a kind of a tough little lefty. And uh, so I bunted for a hit, and I tried to avoid the tag, and I ended up jamming my thumb in the ba- in first base. And so I ended up going on DL for like 10 days. And 
um, right after that injury, uh, Tyler Colvin got called up and I think he was playing a little first base and I was just like, Oh man, like that was my opportunity. Like, shoot, like what's going to happen. So now I'm trying to hurry up and get my thumb healed up and I come back and, and, you know, obviously when you start out really hot, there's always going to be those lulls. I mean, you're not going to be a 400 hit all the time. And, you know, if you're, you know, Sean Dunstan made a great, you know, he, he said it perfectly. Like if you're a 260 hitter, you're going to hit 260. If you're a 300 hitter, you're going to hit 300. Well, I was a 260, 270 hitter in Triple A, so I'm like, if I'm hitting 420, I got to find out. You know, something's got to <laughs> get for me to get back down to that 270 range. And I, oh, did it ever happen in a heartbeat? And um, you know, I got to a point where, uh, gosh, we were in June, I believe, maybe end of June. And um, I mean, I was, I went through a couple weeks span, like a month span, where I couldn't hit anything. And, you know, I'm working it like I, my tail off in the cage. I'm looking at fit video. I'm, you know, batting practices. I'm, I'm talking with the coaches. I'm just trying to figure out anything to try to make some kind of adjustment. Everything feels great, though. Like, I'm going into my, my, my work in the cage feels good. My batting practice feels good. But then I go into the game, and I just can't. You could put a ball on a tee, and I couldn't hit it. And, you know, when you, you struggle a little bit, you're like, okay, I can, I've done this before. I get through it. Well, then when a few days turns into a week and a week turns into a couple weeks, all of a sudden it's a month five weeks six weeks and you're like what is going on and it got to a point where not only was I struggling in AAA but now I was I got benched in Fresno like there was a like a two-week span where another uh, another guy was playing every day even against the and he was a right-handed hitter and he was playing even against right-handed pitching and I would look at the lineup of coming in knowing we were facing a righty and he, his name would be in it, and I'd just be like huh like, okay, this is a little humbling. And then obviously to get kicked while I was down, then I became his defensive replacement. And I'm just like, oh, of course, pride's kicking in at that moment, you know, like, great. Now I'm a defensive replacement as a 30-year-old in the minor leagues, you know, for for another guy. Like, I'm trying to get back to the big leagues. And a backup in, in AAA is not the way to get back to the big leagues. And so you mix that with the struggling. And that's where I get to, like, end of June. I was in Texas and – and, you know, just having that conversation, you know, talking to my wife like I do every night after the games, um, you know, and, and, you know, I, she's always my rock when, when I'm struggling with in baseball, like I, I vent to her and, and she's there to, you know, to be the shoulder that I cry on and she's there to listen to me. Well, it got to the point where she couldn't even take it anymore. Like she, she saw, you know, what was going on too, you know, she's worried about the future and, and what's going to happen. And, and so now I'm in the role to reverse. Now I'm trying to be her rock, but I'm in no position for that, you know, to be her support system at that moment. And, and yeah. so, I mean, that's where we had, it had mentioned, you know, like possibly, you know, figuring out what was going to happen at the end of the season. Um, I know the story always comes out that I was going to just up and retire at that moment, um, which wasn't <laughs> true, you know, but it got to a point where it happened so much. I was like, ah, we'll just we'll go with that. Um, but I was going to finish the year out. I didn't want to, I didn't want my, uh, I didn't want my message to my children to be that he just quits when things get tough, that I was going to finish it out. Um, so the goal, the, the, the plan or the idea, the debate was to finish out the year and then decide, do I want to go back and become another minor league free agent trying to find a team and possibly get back to the big leagues again, or do I want to hang it up and look for something else? So, it got a little bit lost in translation, uh, but that sure. was that was the moment of when it was like, man, do I 
Because at that moment, when, I, when I'm stinking really bad, and, and again, Tyler Colvin and I were similar players. I mean, lefty, you know, plays first base, can play a little outfield, um, you know, mostly going to be the pinch hitter off the bench. He's already on the roster. I'm not. So at that moment, I'm like, I'm not going to be needed. Like, they're not going to just, you know, they've already got me there. So why – why would they bring me up? That was kind of the, the, my thought process going into that. So that's where all like the, the possibility of retirement kind of took place in that moment right there. Well, it's pretty incredible knowing what was about to happen, that that's how you were feeling in June. Um, because, you know, whatever it was, about three, four weeks later, uh, you, you get the call. Belt is, is dealing with some injuries. Um, what did that feel like after where you were on the phone with your wife just four weeks before? Yeah, so, um, again, I limped to the All-Star break that year, went home, and, um, usually, you know, for me, usually when I go to the All-Star break, I, I struggle the first few games back because timing's off and, you know, your rhythm's off and things like that. And whatever reason, um, I got back from the All-Star break that year, and that's when I caught fire and I had, like, a really good 10-day fan uh hit like three or four home runs and and you know getting some hits again and, and making consistent contact and so um i'm drawing a blank on where we were fl- we were flying back to fresno but i can't remember from where but we had a layover in phoenix we always had a layover in phoenix and so we get to phoenix and i'm talking to my wife in between flights and our manager's coming up to me and so i go oh i go honey let me call you right back managers you know he looks like he wants to talk to me so we get off the phone and he goes hey um do you have your car in fresno and i go I go, yeah. He goes, okay, well, you and Juan are getting, Perez are getting called up uh, or, or just got called up. So you're going to need to get in your car and get to San Francisco as fast as you can. And I'm like, seriously? Like, I thought he was messing with me. Like, this is not funny, right? Like, I'm, like this isn't, this is, this is one of the meanest things you could say. He's like, no, seriously, you're getting called up. And I'm like, oh. Like, then it was like just that overwhelming joy of emotion. Thankfully, I didn't break down crying in the airport, but. Yeah. You know, I had the, the chills and the goosebumps and, and just the biggest smile on my face. And so um, um, so I called my wife back. And, again, we were living in the Bay Area at the time, in the East Bay. So she was coming down every homestand. So she was getting ready to fl- to drive down to Fresno um, uh, in a couple hours. And so when I called her back, I go, honey, don't come to Fresno. I'm coming home. Right. <laughs> and she goes, oh, no, you got released? <laughs> I go, I go, I go, no, I got called up to San Francisco and she let out the loudest scream. I think I've ever heard from her in my life. She's like, oh. shut up. You're, you're lying. I'm like, no, seriously. As soon as I get into Fresno, I'm jumping in the car. Me and Juan, we're, we're driving up to Fres- uh, San Francisco. So don't come down here. I won't be here. So oh. she was, you know, obviously she was super excited. And of course I had to get on the flight and just sit there and, and just, you know, uh, bask in, in the thoughts and, and the excitement. And obviously that flight couldn't get to Fresno fast enough. And, uh, and so, yeah, I was uh, able to, to, um, you know, thankfully I was, I was just living in the hotel. I just stay in the hotel each time I, you know, check into a hotel each time, uh, we got back home. So there was no one packing. I already had all my stuff packed up, ready to go. I just had to put a few baseball things together and, and, uh, Juan and I, we got in my car and we drove up and, um, you know, of course I'm super excited driving across the Bay Bridge, and then I hit the Embarcadero traffic. And I think it took us like an hour and 15 minutes to get from the Bay Bridge <laughs> to the field. So obviously, I've already missed BP. I'm just trying to make it before game time, you know, so I can say hi to people before, you know, before they got to go out and get ready to play. So, but yeah, it was, uh, it was that was 
one of the coolest moments that I can remember, obviously not on a baseball field, you know, in pro ball was yeah. the moment walking back into that clubhouse after four years. And, and obviously a lot of the guys were all the same, um, you know, uh, but it was, um, it was, it was a cool moment to, to be able to walk back mm-hmm. in and just, it, it, it felt like bricks being lifted off my shoulders, really um, walking back into yeah. that clubhouse and seeing the giants uniform on the front and, and um, you know, like Murph comes up because um, I guess number ten was available, which is what I you know I was in 2010. But 45 was in my locker, and Murph comes up and he's like, "Yes, you want your old number ten back?" And we just threw 45 in there. And I go, "Murph, it doesn't matter what numbers on the back. All that matters is says Giants on the front. I couldn't be happier, you know." And so it was it was a really cool moment um, to to be able to walk back in there, and and uh, and that's how I knew um, that. Belt and I, I, my feelings for Belt were better, because and I failed to yeah. mention this, but in yeah. twenty in twenty eleven, after I while I was in the middle of being designated, um, the Giants came back to San Francisco after the LA series for the ring ceremony. Well, Bobby invited me back for the ring ceremony, so I drove, you know, I because I was still in the East Bay waiting to figure out if I was getting claimed or not. Um, or I'm sorry, I just gotten to Fresno, and I so I drove home from Fresno to be a part of the ring ceremony. And so when I got there, I walked into the clubhouse and Belt was in my locker, in my old locker. And I was, so, like, again, that was just, like, adding to the fire of of my resentment. And uh, But going back into 14 <laughs> and seeing Belt sitting right there in my lo- where my locker used to be, again, didn't even bat an eye. All I could see was my name and my placard and just the gratefulness yeah. that I had that I was able to come back. Oh, that is, uh, that is so good. And then e- even better – uh, it sticks, and and you stay on a team that was again heading somewhere. I got to ask you this though, before we get to the postseason, uh, in September and seemingly out of left field, uh, they ask you to play left field. How did that conversation go, and how did it grab you? <laughs> well, it was a very short conversation. Um, <laughs> so I'd always, when even going back to 2010, um, you know when when. Sherholtz was on the team. Him and I would always spend time in, during batting practice. I'd always, you know, get my ground ball work done, and then I'd go to the outfield and I'd, I'd shag fly balls with him, and he'd help me a little bit. And then when Roberto was doing early work with outfielders, I'd run out and help, you know, to join in. Just because I figured in 2010, if I'm not going to be a guy, an everyday guy, I want to be as versatile not only for myself, but it helps the team as well. Um, so I always worked, and then going through the minor leagues in 11 and tw- uh, a little bit of 12, and then 13 and, and even 14 in Fresno. Um, I played, I played a handful of games out there, um, you know, playing outfield in the minor leagues. So I had some familiar out familiar arity out there. Um, so the same thing when I got called up in 14, you know, anytime Roberto was doing early work, I would run out there and, and do the fly balls, the ground ball work, you know, working off the machine or whatnot and making throws. And then during batting practice, he'd hit, you know, more ground balls and I would, you know, practice, you know, work out. Uh, but we got to September and the rosters expanded. So we called up a couple outfielders from Fresno. Uh, yeah, from Fresno. And so I'm like, okay, well, I'm probably not going to be playing outfield now that we've got outfielders that can play outfield. So I actually stopped in September. I stopped doing the outfield stuff. I just focused back on first base. And, and uh, so we were in Arizona that last road trip. And Roberto comes up to me. Um, it was the second game. And he comes up to me and he goes, um, have you been working much in the outfield? And I go, no, I figured with all the roster guys, you know, you know, the, with all the call-ups, like, you know, they would be out there before, both would put them out there before me. 
He goes, why don't you go out there tomorrow? We had a day game, but we had an optional batting practice. He goes, why don't you come out tomorrow for batting practice? And I'll hit you some. I'm like, okay, sure. No, not even thinking, batting an eye, like, why? You know, not even thinking twice about it. Just, I guess he figured I'm, I'm getting lazy, maybe. I don't know. So I go out there the next day, and we do, you know, the, our routine that we were doing before. And, and so we fly back to, to San Francisco that night after the game. And so I'm walking in like I always do, you know, not expecting, you know, um, I, I believe Belt was back. Yeah, Belt was playing back by then. So, you know, Belt's the everyday guy at first. So I was going back to my role as pinch hitter. And um, so I walked in, and I always wanted to see the lineup. Um, I don't know why. Even when I knew I was playing, like, in the minor leagues, I always had to see the lineup. Like, it was just, like, the first thing I needed to do. And so I go in mm-hmm. and I look and I see, and we had those, uh, the digital ones on the screen. So like every 10 seconds, it would switch to something new. Well, I caught the tail end of it, but I saw belt first base. I was like, perfect. All right. So I went in, I went over and I started getting dressed and, uh, Andrew Susak comes up to me. He goes, Hey, congratulations. You're in the game today. I'm like, no, I'm not belt playing first. And he goes, no, you're out in the outfield. And I go, shut up. And so I walk back. And of course, as I'm walking, <laughs> I see the lineup, but I don't see my name. And then it switches. So now I have to stand there and wait for like 40 seconds for this thing to rotate its way back to the lineup. And I, lo and behold, it pops up, and there I am, batting eighth, left field. And I'm like, huh, what's going on right now? You know, like I have no idea. And so I go find Roberto, and I'm like, Roberto, what is happening? He goes, well, you know, we're getting ready for the playoffs, and I think Boach and Sabian want to see if you can play outfield. I'm like, Really? Oh, all right. And so I go out and of course I'm nervous as can be like, I mean, it doesn't matter how many games in the minor leagues I play in the outfield. Like you go out in the, a big league stadium with, you know, where there's actually fans behind you, you know, and, and three decks that you can look at. Like there, this, is, this is a little overwhelming. And, uh, but you know, it wasn't, it wasn't that bad. I think I played three out of those last four against San Diego. And, and then obviously going into the postseason, coach felt like I was, I was capable of, of manning left field. So going into that postseason. Oh, unbelievable. And then when you get out there, I mean, are you, are you comfortable? Do you feel naked? What's going on? Oh, absolutely. I I tell people this, especially not so much in the regular season because for whatever reason, but obviously the postseason being amplified the way it is, I felt like I had cement shoes on at least until I could get my first at bat, at least when I did something that I was com- I, I was used to doing or comfortable with. Um, and then it, it, it I didn't get comfortable. I just was less uncomfortable uh if that yeah. makes sense but <laughs> yep. um i remember because you know the you know the the wild card game and then uh with with the nationals i was batting i was batting eighth and so sometimes it would be the third inning before i got my first at bat and so i'm sitting there like for three innings like please don't hit me the ball please don't hit me the ball you know like unless it's right at me but if i gotta go run for this ball because again as you all know i'm not the fleetest of foot so unless it's right at me i'm freaking out like i can turn any single any fly out into a double like instantly if i if i don't do this right and um and so but yeah it was it was i was very uncomfortable for the entire month of october needless Mm. to say (laughs) <laughs> well, yeah. uh, not not every moment, uh, because of course there is the uh, the NLCS 2014, and 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 people remember one thing, but they may forget you hit the ball pretty well the entire series. Started with your first at bat, you drive in a run uh, with with a hit in the second inning of game one, and you guys win three to nothing. You are contributing offensively in the postseason, and again, 
after where you were three months prior to that, that had to feel surreal. Oh, yeah. I mean, well, again, in that moment, I'm not thinking about June. I'm not thinking about that, you know, yeah. that breaking down in, in Texas, you know, to my wife and having that conversation with my buddy back in Seattle. Like, none of that. It's it's all, you know, right right where I'm at, right in that moment, and and anything I got to do to help the team. And, you know, um, so thankfully – I wasn't thinking about any of that. Obviously, the, the connections can be made afterwards, and I've, I've had a lot of time since then to think about, wow, like, you know, I just I sit there and, and um, you know, just amaze, amazement, like, where I was at in June. And then, you know, I mean, one probably could say the lowest of lows, you know, from, from, a, from a professional standpoint, and then to be basically at the highest of highs three months later. Uh, indeed. Uh, before we get to uh, game five, though, game three, uh, bottom of the first inning, you guys are already up one nothing, uh, and you're up with the bases loaded. Boom. Clear the bases with a double off John Lackey. What do you remember about that at bat? I remember hitting that ball as good as I could hit a ball. Um, I, I'm not a very uh, – I don't like to um, – like celebrate a lot. Um, I'm, I'm a little bit more modest and I guess low key um, introverted, so to speak. So I, you never saw me bat flip. You never saw me stand there and watch baseballs. Um, you know, maybe I'd be a little slow out of the box if I knew I got it, but this one, I think I stood there for a, a brief second. He's hitting 278 in the postseason. left-handed hitter swing and a high drive. Deep into right field, Gritching all the way back of the wall, and it's off the wall. One run scores, Pence scores, and they all score. A three-run double for Travis Ishikawa into the deepest part of the ballpark. A soaring shot that got up into the wind, and when it came down, it was as if Gritching had no idea where the ball was. Um, because when I hit, I didn't even feel myself hitting that ball. That's how well I hit it. And the way it came off the bat, I thought there was no doubt that ball was going in the water. Um, and if you ever see the replay of that, there's no reason why I shouldn't have been standing at third base. But I only got the double because I think I was probably a little slower out of the box than I should have been. But, yeah, that win was so nasty that day. Um, but I, I thought even with that win, like the way I hit that ball, I didn't think the win was going to affect it the way it did. Because, I, I, like I said, there was there – was, People ask about my home run. I tell them that that double I hit, I hit even, I hit way better than than I hit that home huh. run. Wow, wow, um, that gets you guys going. And now you're cruising. You're up three games to one. Uh, I know a lot of the guys have said though that that going into Game Five, they had it in the back of their mind, like we're not we're not going back to St. Louis. So there had to be some tension in the room, even though you guys were cruising what was the clubhouse like before game five um i would again the i don't really remember too much but the entire postseason we were the same even killed low-key you know you know just the same thing we were doing in the regular season same thing we were doing in the 2010 i'm assuming it's the same thing they did in 12 um you know i think because we'd been there so many times that um you know i think we all knew that we needed to take care of business that night. We, none of us obviously wanted to go back to St. Louis. Um, you know, obviously you never know what can happen when you got to go to another team's home field, um, especially in the postseason. the crazy things can happen. So, um, you know, I, I think that there was, um, 
obviously a little bit of, of um, you know, we wanted a little bit of uh, urgency um, to try to do everything we could to win that game that night. But I think, too, I mean, obviously when you got bum going on the mound, especially that postseason, you were feeling pretty confident that, that um, you know, things were going to look, look on the bright side at the end of the night. To the bottom of the ninth, the game is tied at three. You're due up fourth in the inning. Uh, Pablo starts it off with a hit. Pence flies out. And then at that point, Michael Waka seems to kind of lose control a little bit. He walks belt on four pitches. I can remember watching the at-bat and thinking, gosh, this is great. He's just going to walk everybody. <laughs> and, and, and he's going to walk in a run, and the, and the Giants are, are going to win. And, and so you get up there, and I'm wondering, after watching the four-pitch walk, what's your game plan? Yeah, so um, I know I remember when I was on deck and Bell, not even really paying. I knew he walked on four, but I really wasn't focused on his at bat. I was looking at, uh, well, I was watching walk a little bit, but then I, I kept noticing that you know Seth Manis and, and Randy Cho were in the bullpen warming up. And so, again, I'm like, with me and then Crawford on deck, like, there's a good chance Choate's coming into this game. My night's probably over. Um, but obviously, I'm trying to keep my, my focus on Waka and pick up his arm slot and things like that. Um, so, it didn't even – it it had – I knew, like, my brain knew that he w- walked on four pitches, but I don't think, like, I, like, um, was able to compute the fact that he had walked on four pitches. So – when I was walking up to the plate, I wasn't thinking about taking. I mean, it was my 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 mindset was, um, you know, the, the Cardinals. My entire career have pitched me in. They don't want me getting extended, so I know that they're going to try to come in. So let's let. And I know that Walker throws hard, so I need to be as short as I can to this ball to get the barrel to it. And I just need to make sure that that the that I swing at a strike. That it's not that inside corner or off the plate in that I always chase. I need to get that one out over the plate. Um, and so when I was doing my pre at bat, you know, routine, I saw um, Tony Cruz stand up and start walking to the mound. I'm like, yep, there it is. That's my night. And I look up and it's not, it's not Matheny. It's their pitching coach. And I was like, okay, I'm going to get this at bat. And so I look down and Flan gives me the, uh, oh no, I'm sorry. Take it back. So then I go, um, I step out, you know, take a few steps out of the box while they're meeting. And um, I remember just looking at my bat and just having a peace and a calm. One of the few times I ever felt peace and calm in a baseball field, especially in the postseason. Um, but I was, I instantly was brought back to an at-bat I had in 2010 in the in the postseason against the Braves uh, in game three where the Braves had just, uh, Hinsky just hit that two-run homer, and we were down a run in the ninth with Kimbrell. And I was leading off, and I remember thinking, looking at my bat, then thinking, I wonder if everyone on TV and in the stadium can see my legs shaking inside my pants right now. Because I was just, I was, anxious and nervous and uh you know again you talked about the stress level earlier that was that was it was in totality right there it just um you know and i was brought back to that moment in 14 during that mound visit and i had a peace and a calm and i didn't feel shaken i didn't feel nerved i didn't feel anything other than just okay all i want to do is be short to the ball and try to put the barrel on it and so, you know, first pitch comes in, of course, they miss in. I was able to take. Second one comes in, take. So I get to 2-0. And, again, if you would have asked me, I would be like, yeah, belt walked on four pitches. But it didn't – it hadn't occurred in my brain. Like, I haven't – I didn't actually compute the fact that it had been four because I looked up and Flan at third base gives me the – you know, kind of holds the his hands over, you know, like basically saying, get it in your one spot, take a rip. 
so my mind was going, okay, well, it's 2-0. Two, you know, if, if he doesn't want to walk me, because that'll load the bases with one out, and Crawford will be, a, you know, he'll, he'll win the game. So he's got to throw a strike. He's not throwing his changeup. He's got to throw his fastball, you know, behind in the count. So I'm like, I'm sitting fastball. And it was one of those few times in my career that I remember seeing the ball out of his hand. And, you know, everyone talks about, like, having those tunnels or that tunnel vision. Like, it was one of those I, – I saw that tunnel, like, right out of hand. It was coming right where I knew I wanted it. And, you know, I remember just taking that short, quick swing. And my first instinct off the bat, because I hit it so low, was, man, I hit it right at, at Tavares in right field. Like, it's just – he's going to have to take one step back and catch this ball. Um, I hit it too low. I hit it good. I just I hit it too low. And so out of the box, I was like, dang, I just missed, you know, I mean, I hit it good, but I just missed, you know, help, helping us, you know, get a hit. And all of a sudden run down the line and I see Tavares is back and it's not turning around. He's, he's got his back, you know, still to me at home plate. And by now I've like, I'm looking at the ball. I'm looking at him. And I'm going, Oh my gosh, there's no way he's catching it. This is hitting the wall. So that's when like, I remember my first hand going up in the air and then, um, and so then, it, to this day, it's like the crowd knew before everybody else because I could hear the crowd get louder as I was running down the line. And maybe it was just because they realized that it, the game was going to be over too. But it's like they knew it was going out. And I remember thinking, wow, if this goes out, that'd be like that would just be icing on the cake. And <laughs> I'm telling you, like this is this is like slow motion between home and first. Yeah. And, I'm able to I, – I remember seeing – you know, San Francisco is tough to see, but I remember seeing the ball go over the, the facade for the home run, and I high-five Roberto, and I hit first base, and then it goes blank. I don't remember uh-huh. the rest of the, the, the base run. To this day, I don't – like, I uh, – you know, I'm I, not going to lie. I've seen that, that video a thousand times, maybe 10,000. I don't know, but I've seen it a lot, and I still don't remember – between first and second, I I vaguely remember somebody coming between second and third. I didn't know it was PV at the time. Um, I don't remember, you know, try, plan trying to give me a high five and I'm spiking my helmet in front of him. I don't remember colliding with anybody until I got to home plate. The next thing I remember is just it was being on the ground between home and, and the pitchers. Now I just I to this day I, I'm blank. I, I blacked out first to home plate. Big pitch here from Michael Walker, the possible winning run. Out there in scoring position at second base. Now the stretch. Here it comes. Swing and there's a drive deep into right field. Way back there. Goodbye. A home run for the game and for the pennant. The Giants have won the pennant. And Travis Ishikawa is being clobbered by his teammates as he comes down the third base line and he is mobbed at home plate. Travis Ishikawa with the Bobby Thompson moment. A walk-off home run to win the National League pennant. What a moment for the unlikely Giants left fielder for the biggest games here in 2014. Ugh. I, I, I mean, it's fascinating that you didn't even think it was a hit. I mean, I would have thought that you thought this has at least got a chance to be a gapper. But it explains a lot of things, Travis, because uh, for me, one of my favorite things is, you know, the, the camera, watching on TV, the ball goes over and the camera 
you know, they take to the camera that's looking at you right as you touch first base, and the look on your face and your mouth is just like wide open screaming. And um, and I think it must have been that in addition to what you had just done, there was there was some surprise going through you that the ball went that far. Yeah, I I I, I I'm gonna have to look at that now because I <laughs> I'm at a loss. I I don't remember any of that, but <laughs> it, it makes perfect again because I've I've hit balls like that so many times before. And if you like, I I got thanks, you know. It was really cool. I got on what was supposed to be opening day. I, you know, I watched the replay of game five, and we got to that at bat, and I saw that hit, and I've seen it on the YouTube so many times. Like, that ball comes off so low, like, and especially in a, in a in San Francisco where the ball goes nowhere, you know, nobody's first thought. I don't think anybody's first thought with a ball coming off that low would, would have been, like, home run. And, again, I've hit those low-line drives so many times where they just kind of seem to, to – to go right to the right fielder, but you know, I, I don't know if I put a little extra backspin on it. I don't know if I hit it harder than I normally do or what. But in the fact that it just kept going was was it was just it. it I can't even describe that feeling. I, I you know, and and now here you are a week and a half later, uh, and another ring. You know, you're a champion for the second time. You had a big piece of this one. And as the season ends and you're celebrating a World Series championship instead of retiring, which had been your thought a few months earlier, I, I, I mean, how do you put all of that into words? You can't. Um, it's, again, at that moment, that wasn't being thought about. But, um, you know, with the days and the weeks to follow after the season was over and, and looking back and, and, and just – thinking again wow like i literally was at the lowest of lows and then got to the highest of highs in a matter of three months you know in baseball and um you know it's just it's just what and again it's, it's going back to why baseball's so great because you know you look at basketball you look at football there's always like that go-to guy that everybody's counting on um to make that last shot or to make that big catch or to make that big run um but in baseball it can be anybody at any time. And, you know, you get at the ninth inning, you can't send up your best player. you gotta, you got to go with whoever's at the plate. And, um, you know, like I've told people so many times, like this, that moment doesn't happen to guys like me. Like that's, that's stuff that like, you know, all-stars and MVPs and the, and the team leaders and, and that, that's, you know, like in basketball, that those are the Michael Jordans and LeBron Jameses and the Kobe. Those, those, those moments happen for those guys. They don't happen for moments like guys like me, but, but because of how great baseball is and the way it's designed, it's everybody's got a chance to do that on any given night. And I think that's what's the beauty about, about that game, about the game of baseball. How did that year change your life? Um, well, I couldn't go grocery shopping that year. Um, <laughs> <laughs> couldn't go to any restaurants, but no, it was, uh, it was really cool. Um, you know, obviously, um, I was, you know, we still lived in the Bay area. Um, so again, anytime I was at the grocery store, anytime I went to the gym out to eat, um, I was definitely a lot more recognizable than I had been in the past. And, um, it was really, it's been cool. Like I, I really enjoy hearing people tell me where they were when that moment happened. And I think I've met all 50 thousand or so people that were there. Um, I think I've heard about 50,000 times that they were there that night. So I think I met everybody in the ballpark that night. Um, but it's just, it's, it's a cool experience to see where, like the fact that like it, 
like they still talk about it. Like that it's so impactful yeah. for them. It 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 really like it 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 I don't even know how, it it makes me super like glad and 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 grateful. Um obviously, you know, you look at kind of the outcomes of that because of that swing I've been able to be a part of well obviously being a part of a championship team I got to help in that but just even now so I mean I got to be a part of of the 60 year anniversary you know two two opening days ago um or two opening seasons ago um you know I've gotten to go I've gotten to come back and and be a part of so many things um at Oracle Park and and in that off season I got to be a part of a lot of different events you know um like the world series the dvd premiere and and um um i, I think it's just it's a cool feeling and and somebody that you know doesn't always need to have the limelight around them you know again i like i'm kind of that low-key guy but it always feels really good uh to know that that people in san francisco and in the bay area and all giants fans like view that moment as special as i did it's just really cool and very humbling uh, the Giants over the years, you know, they, they, they kept coming back to you. You kept coming back to them. And, and as you've mentioned, you're, you're still a huge part of the organization. Overall, uh, how would you describe what your time with the Giants has meant to you? Oh, again, it's it, – it, I'll say it forever. It's They've been like a family. And, um, you know, like with any family, you know, you have your disagreements, which – you know, we've, we've, I've had with them and they've had with me. And, but at the same time too, the fact that they were willing to bring me back a second time, um, when they didn't have to, they called me up when they didn't have to, they, they gave me an opportunity to play in the outfield when they didn't have to, to all set up that moment, um, you know, to be a part of something special. And, um, again, you know, like they designated me two more times in 15, um, you know, after, after, all of that. And, and, um, you know, and then again, in 16, I, you know, I, um, you know, I became a mind, they signed me and, and they didn't release me, but became a minor league free agent. And then, you know, obviously I didn't get the invite back, but, um, you know, so we've been through so much, you know, from the time I was 18 years old till my last, you know, days playing at 32. Um, but it's just, you know, through all of it, the ups and the downs, it's just been, it's just been so much fun and such a joy, um, you know, and my greatest memories looking back at my career um, will all always involve the fans and being in that ballpark. And, you know, even a, a May or a June game felt like the postseason, you know, at times and, and the, the, the electricity that they brought each and every day and support they brought each and every day, you know, and, and just, being able to put on that uniform and go out and play in what, you know, definitely the best crowd, the best fan base because they're out there supporting. And I, like, I, I just, it, I can't even describe it. It just, it becomes very, very difficult for me to describe what the city of San Francisco and, and the Giants family has meant for me, you know, and uh, as you know, even now as I continue coaching, uh, you know, I've entered, I'm start. Well, hopefully I get to start my third year uh, in the co- you know, yeah. coaching the Giants system. Um, you know, I, I think that I look and, and again, I don't know what the future holds, but it's, it's like as a, my mindset as a player is like, I don't see myself going for coaching for anybody else because this, this, this is a family and, and you don't, you don't, you know, you don't bail on your family. So 
Travis, fantastic stuff. What a uh, what a what a great moment. What a what an unbelievable ride it's been, and uh, and really uh, a, a true story of stick to itiveness. Thank you so much for uh, for spending this time and sharing it all with us. Yeah, well, thank you for for the opportunity to come on and, and for having me. Thanks so much for listening to Inside Giant Moments, presented by T-Mobile. Don't forget to give us a rating and a review and share the podcast with your friends and family. For more exclusive conversations, subscribe to the Inside Giant Moments podcast, presented by T-Mobile, now. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.